Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. Hey there. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with Good Thing. Uh, Dave, I think you had one queued up, so why don't you start us off? My Good Thing is the song Hilltop Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 2. has a lot of awesome harmonizations going on at once, and everything just comes together beautifully, and I can listen to it for 50, 100 loops and pick up something new to enjoy every time it goes back to start. Really awesome, lively tune from the Sega Genesis slash Sega Master System. All right. Um, cool. Good, good thing. Anything else about it you'd like to talk about? Oh, God, we're doing this again. Okay, Tori, so how about your good thing? Well, not Dave singing, for sure. <laughs> um, I have been enjoying a little blog called Ask a Manager, and you can find it at askamanager.org. And it, it sounds like the sort of stuffy business blog where you would learn how to ace an interview or negotiate a pay raise or learn about formatting your resume. And it's got all that stuff, but I'm there for the office horror stories, like the time somebody uh, brought spicy curry for lunch and a coworker stole their curry out of the fridge and ate it and was injured by the spiciness of it <laughs> and tried to get that person in trouble for trying to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and... Or there was the story about the time someone suspected that her coworkers had started a secret sex club in the office. Like they were meeting in the office or they just found each other in the office and had no, she, their she found a piece events of paper. elsewhere. Yeah, no, she found a piece of paper that listed office locations followed by point values and she suspected that her co-workers were meeting to have sex in these locations like the copy room or the parking garage or what have you and that it was worth points <laughs> and so her question to ask a manager was how do i confront them about this how, how do i address this with the management like what do i do okay. so yeah, it's a great, hilarious blog that has been going for nearly a decade. And the lady, Allison Green is her name, posts several times a week. And it's just, it's it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. It, if you ever think that you work with an office full of crazies, just read that blog and you will find that, no, your coworkers are actually all right. <laughs> Uh, so my good thing this week is The Dresden Files. Uh, the books, not the show. The show was also fun. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. Um, the I show agree. the show was also fun and could be a future good thing. I definitely enjoyed it, although, uh, tr true to the books, it was not. Um, so the, the Dresden Files are a series of books by Jim Butcher. Uh, they follow the adventures of Harry Dresden, a wizard private investigator uh, who lives and works in the city of Chicago. And each book is 
uh, set about a year after the last one. So we're on the 15th book in the series out so far. It has covered about 15 years of Harry's life. Um, they start off pretty, um, like, by the numbers. Like, this is how you write a detective story, and also there's magic. Um, but by the, I want to say about the third book is where it really starts to open up and finds its own voice. And wowie, it's good stuff. Yes. Just, just super duper good stuff. Um, the writing is phenomenal, just in general. Uh, the plots are very, very wonderful and, and great to go through. Um, I'm in the middle of another reread of the series. I just started book 13, um, which I don't even want to tell you the title of because it does give, a, give away some spoilers. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Yes. Highly recommend. Good stuff, the Dresden Files. Um, Dave, I'm guessing you haven't read any of these since you haven't really read much in, in read genre fiction. I've read some books that aren't but Harry Potter even. Okay. Have you read any Dresden Files books? No. Dave. Um, Craig has I, I actually started. Sorry. Seven and a half Orson Scott card books. Okay. And, All right. And and the first Dune book. Okucky So um, those are, are all science fiction, so I guess they don't count. No, it's all genre fiction. Uh, sci-fi and fantasy are 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 very closely interrelated. Um, yeah. So for for the Orson Scott card, I'm assuming it's the Core Ender series and then the uh, the Bean books. Uh, minus one, actually, all of the Bean books and three and a half of the Ender Core series. I didn't realize there was a fourth Ender book. Uh, yes, it is called Children of the Mine. Okay, then what did I miss? Because I did read that one. Speaker for the Dead and Xenocide. Oh. Never mind, I guess I didn't read that one. Oh, wait, and Ender's... Ender's Game, obviously, yes. <laughs> huh. thought I read... Alright, whatever. This Xenocide isn't good podcasting. Was my favorite of the, of the three. I think Ender's Game only exists to set up the other three, and Xenocide is my favorite of the three. Though, like I said, I didn't finish Children of the Mind. Alright, um, I could have a conversation with you about that I didn't after. really like Speaker for the Dead that much. But, but we're going to move on. That was annoying. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Craig has begun the Dresden Files books. I don't know exactly how far he is on it. I haven't asked him about it in a bit. But from what I was hearing, he was enjoying it at least just at least somewhat. Um, Tori, obviously you're you're on board. Yes, I am on board. Um, oh, I actually just recently got the latest short story collection. Uh, briefcases have not yeah. read it yet. <laughs> um, there is one story in here that I have read because it was in another anthology that I got from the library and read the three things in it that I actually cared about. The other of which was a Brandon Sanderson short story, Cosmere. Actually, I think that was uh, I think that one was Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell was in that anthology. But yeah, anyway. Uh, Dresden Files. Good stuff. Show is also fun, but very, very separate. Uh, Dave, we read some chapters this week. You want to tell we us about them? Did. Yeah, sure thing. 
I uh, believe we read chapters 26 through 28. That's what I read anyway. Yeah, that is what I read also. What a coincidence. Oh no, I read completely wrong chapters. <laughs> I'm kidding, okay. I read these. So, uh, I'll just read off my bullet points. Ah, chapter 26. Two weeks later, Kelsier is whistling Dixie. Breeze expresses concerns. Execution. Lord Perlintavidian is Mr. Vin. Mobile. Lord Ruler can soothe 100k. Spooks is Tinai. Kelsier addresses concern. Nobles, motivation, etc. Revolution will go on. Okay, so this chapter takes, week, takes place two weeks after the pewter drag that uh, Kelsier and Vin basically made it to the caves where the revolution was hiding out and got there overnight. And this is two weeks later. It's basically right when they got back from the cave. And, you know, everyone's like, uh, plans all gone to the, down the pooper. You know, we don't have the army. There's nothing we can do anymore. And Kelsier's just acting like his old chipper self and nothing can get him down. And everyone's like, we got to talk to him, guys. Gotta, you know, revolution's over. Probably break it to him. So Breeze is the one that speaks up, expresses his concerns. And speaking on behalf of the group, he feels that Kelsier is trying to push things forward uh, more because of his own pride, because he wants to be the legend, the survivor of Hathson, and he wants all of the glory of the revolution, not worrying about the gory of the revolution. And before uh, Kelsier can really address those concerns, Spooks pops in and tells him, hey guys, there's an execution, and executions are... Uh, there is mandatory attendance by the Lord Ruler for these executions. He's found out about the revolutions, going to kill off some Scott. That, not that particularly were involved in the revolution, but just to make an example and keep the people down. And so we have them uh, making their way to a rooftop to watch the execution. And the Lord Ruler shows up and he is a very powerful allomancer and can soothe a hundred thousand people in the crowd and you know keep them down and Kelsier uh is able to is able to push their emotions back up and try to counteract what he's doing and Vin catches on and she helps him out. And, you know, they look at the uh, Pope Mobile. I don't really know why. I guess the Lord Ruler had basically a Pope Mobile. I laughed when you read that book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, he just kind of, I don't know if there was any significance to that. I just thought it was kind of funny that he had a Pope mobile. That's a mental image of the Pope mobile. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we learn that Spooks is a tin eye. Uh, that might be an interesting fact later down the road. I don't know. But he's up there and he's trying to see if they I can identify any of the people from the army. The, they're just a bunch of nobody skies. Not really that they're nobody, but our heroes don't recognize them. And certainly the nobility treats them as nobodies. And Kelsier takes a stand. And he says, I'm doing it for these people because I cannot stand the way the Lord Ruler treats the sky. This is my motivation why I am going to move forward with this revolution. And, you know, they, uh, you know, they start to put their faith in him a little bit more and 
the revolution will go on. And just a little side note, while we were up on the rooftops watching the execution, Vin was peeking out into the crowds looking for her uh, very good friend, Ellen DeVenture. You know, just Kelsier was saying, you know, look at all these noblemen. They don't care what's happening to the sky. They, some of them are even enjoying the show of all these executions. And, you know, Vin's like, no, they can't all be that bad. Ellen isn't that bad. So she looks proud. And, you know, sure enough, he's a uh, good guy. Ellen is uh, puking in a corner watching all these people die. So there we uh, go. That's chapter 26. Just want to cut in here. Spook being a Tenai is not new information. We've had that since he was introduced. Okay. I thought that might have been. Okay. So I just, took note of it. Just want to make sure we don't get, you know, Facebook comments on this. Okay. Uh, okay, so any questions about chapter 26? Uh, how do you feel about Kelsier's rousing speech being against such a like dour, depressing backdrop? It worked for me. I mean, everything was... every Basically, every sentence he had, there were four more people dying every, every time he took a break in his speech. And fountains uh, so, shooting yeah. blood into the, into the air. I think that it would make an amazing scene in the movie version of Mistborn. I I thought it was appropriate. I, I honestly I thought the timing of the execution was a little convenient for Kelsier's knees. Well, you know, it's fiction. Sometimes you get that. Like in the movie <laughs> version, he'll be up there giving his speech, and every sentence will have the chopping of the axe as a sound effect at the end. Like yeah, chop his... It'll punctuate all of his sentences, yeah. Today is our Independence Day, chop, spray. <laughs> Today we are canceling the apocalypse, chop, spray. Those are the two big rousing speeches I know of from movies. Yep, just those two. Riders of Rohan! <laughs> those are the ones I think of. <laughs> chop, spray. Alright, continue. Okay, so, on to chapter 27. Macabrathon over. Kel and Vin go to meet Marsh. Can Lord Ruler penetrate Copper Cloud? Vin burns gold. Okay, a uh, bit fewer notes. Uh, a lot of this chapter is just Kelsier and Vin sitting around waiting uh, because they have some info from Marsh. Marsh has infiltrated the Obligator training grounds and... Uh, can meet with them very briefly to let them know what's going on. And while Kelsier and Vin are waiting for Marsh, uh, they talk about how the Lord Ruler is this powerful Alamancer, and uh, Vin swears that she could feel uh, the Lord Ruler pushing down on her emotions, even though she was burning copper, and burning copper is supposed to make you immune to uh, emotional Alamancy. Kelsier says, no, that's possible. But Vin's not quite sure. And you know, she makes note, uh, hey, Kelsier, you said there were 10, Alimantic, 10 known Alimantic medals. You have this 11th one that we're trying to figure out, but you only showed me nine medals. What's the 10th one? Or I think the 10th one is ATM, so what's the ninth one? Kelsier says, ah, that's not important, but it, it's gold. It doesn't do anything important. Don't even worry about it. You're going to go and do it anyway, aren't you? Well, here, let me give you some, so make sure you get a good get a good cut, cold powder. And She burns it, and there's this really cool 
surreal experience where she sees two possible versions of herself. So one is if she had basically continued being a, a ska street scum, uh, you know, what her personality and appearance would be like. And one is way opposite side of the spectrum of her overly enjoying noble life and being oblivious and not uh, not being the careful, smart girl that she is. And the real Vin rests somewhere in between those two based on the decisions that she's actually made. But it shows it shows the possible different Vins that could have existed based on how she chose to live her life. And uh, I found this really interesting. And I'm kind of in between whether this is important or not. At first, I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is really going to play into something. But then when I thought about it, Brandon Sanderson seems like the type of author who wants to flesh out his world enough that he would show us something like gold burning and then never mention it again. It never plays into the story at all. So I am completely aware that that's a possibility. But uh, there are a couple of cool ways that he could use it one maybe there is actually a practical use for burning gold and if there is maybe the lord ruler figured it out and he's using that as leverage somehow or maybe they can kind of trick the lord ruler into burning gold somehow and that would kind of mess with his head but i also think if the lord ruler did burn gold this is a guy that's a thousand years old and has made millions of decisions more than the average person so i wonder if we would actually get several different copies of lord roller rather than just the two that vin sees when she burns gold and also if they do find a practical use for burning gold then maybe vin's earring is made out of gold and that'll come into play somehow but uh tried to turn it over in my head i can't really figure out what use it's gonna be but if it does uh, it come back to us, it'd be really interesting. Okay, there's chapter 26. Any questions, class? Oh, they oh, so they do meet Marsh, I guess, and uh, Marsh kind of tells him how things are going, how he's been able, he's been taken notice by the Noble Society. As a seeker, he, not this Noble Society, but by the obligators and the, and the training. Uh, so being a seeker, someone who can detect Alamancy, he's, you know, already kind of what they're looking for. And they let him in on some stuff, including the fact that there are multiple different seeker and emotional Alamancer stations throughout the uh, city of Luthadel. And it is part of the Lord Ruler's network of power, how he keeps control of everybody. So I guess, I guess that was actually really important. I don't know and, why I didn't write it down, but... And? And Marsh has ministry tattoos. Yeah, I, I guess I was thinking that was assumed because he's obligator training, but yeah, he has ministry tattoos. And he's head of the class because he's an overachiever. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, one thing I did mention about 26 in... Uh, the outlines I forgot to touch back up on is that Vin's father is the Lord Prelin, which is basically head of the Obligators and it technically outranks even Steel Inquisitor. 
Tividian is the dude's name. Yes, Tividian. Lord Prelin Tividian is Mr. Vin. Exclamation point. Exclamation. Okay, so chapter 28 sees us back in the noble party scene. And we see Vin starting to spread rumors among the nobility. It's part, kind of part of the new plan is really to step up the game and get that, that house war started even sooner than they wanted to before because now that's their, that's going to be their main source of chaos. They already got the garrison out of the city. So now they got to hurry up and basically it was the next step of the plan all along. They just have to speed it up because the first step was sort of foolishly sped up by Yaden. So they have to get the housework started. Uh, Ellen spills the beans. He is concerned for Vin's safety and kind of blurts out the fact that his family has been mining the ATM for the Lord Ruler. And uh, when was this book written? should have looked that up. I thought it kind of funny that it's the venture company that mines the ATM. It almost seems like if this was written before World of Warcraft, <laughs> that, that copyright 2006, I don't know when WoW came out, but I'm curious if WoW actually referenced this book in having the venture company being like the Goblin and Ogre Miners and Stranglethorn Vale and I don't know. I feel like that part of WoW was out before this. It's it was close though. Close. I think I was out of high school when WoW came out, but I'm not sure. Cause that's that's back in like that was in vanilla, right? Yeah. They've been around since then. Maybe Sanderson played WoW, I don't know. Could have. Wasn't it two thousand five ish? November twenty third, <laughs> two thousand four. Well, we know uh, that Brandon Sanderson enjoys some Magic the Gathering, so maybe he likes some other nerdicular pursuits. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, or it's just that Venture is a cool name and is... And, I mean, know, even even if it that. was used, you know, um, I'm guessing it was more of like an unintentional kind of thing. Yeah. Like... <laughs> just he had he had that name and it was tied into mining and here we have this world with all these metals and hey venture sounds good for that and and <laughs> like didn't even like connect a to b in his head oh okay so yeah ellen uh, begs lady valette renault to get out of town because she is going to Ellen realizes that the house war is about to get serious, so he implores Lady Valette Renault to get out of town because safety, and that's when he lets out, oh, well, my, my house isn't as safe as everyone thinks it is because we mine Atium for the Lord Ruler, and we're kind of at his whim, and we're like, oh, okay, that's really interesting information. Basically, exactly what the revolution needs Finn to get out of Ellen, and he just blurts it out. So we'll see how Finn feels if she will withhold that information or not. She, we we don't get to see what she does when she returns to Club's workshop because we have, and I believe this is a first for the Book of Mistborn, we have a section of the book that's not written from the perspective of our two protagonists. I guess you could count the Lord Ruler 
past Lord Ruler as another perspective that comes up, but we actually get a section that is written from the perspective of the man, Ellen Venture himself. And it starts off uh, with him trying to sneak back home. Like, <laughs> you know, he was out late drinking, so he's trying to sneak home and avoid his father. But not because he was out drinking, but because he was hanging out with Valette. And his dad kind of forbade him to do that. And there's this uh, one servant in in the house venture. And it is called a Chandra. And it's some sort of shapeshifter that apparently took the form of something else. And this reminds me of two things that we've seen already. One is Lord Renault. Uh, because Lord Renault is said to look exactly, you know, the fake Lord Renault who's working for the revolution is said to look exactly like the original Lord Renault. So is he one of these Chandra that can change his face? And the other thing that it reminds me of is the mist wraith, because they can absorb dead creatures and take amalgamations of their forms in any other form that and they've uh, absorbed. And we uh, we do remember, let us recall, Kelsier has said that the nobility have found a use for the mist wraith. And, and maybe that was in a metaphorical sense, just, you know, the idea of mist wraiths helps them to oppress the ska. Or maybe... They have actually found a way to tap into their powers and use their shapeshifting ability. So there you go. It's like that guy, that particular Chandra doesn't really do much in the story, but it is a new kind of magic or ability that adds to the story. And we'll see where it goes from here. So Ellen and Straff Venture having a little argument. Uh, oh, Straff. Like he said, he doesn't want Ellen to meeting with Lady Valette. And he wants Ellen to work with, uh, you know, kind of court this lady from a smaller house so that they can build their alliance and take on house, I believe, Hastings it was. And, you know, Ellen's just like, Hastings is the strongest house. We should ally ourselves. And the, the two of us would be unstoppable. But, you know, he is a little too timid to stand up to his father in that way. So Ellen, you know, he's like, I'll think about it. And Ellen is about to retire to bed, and his friend Justice shows up, and he says, hey, I had your girlfriend followed, and she wasn't in the carriage when it was leaving the city. Okay, so that much is fact, and we know that that's true, because she went to clubs as a workhouse. But... There is further speculation from Jastes, and he tells Ellen that Vin is a spy working for some other noble house. And Ellen's like, no, 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 Vin's not like everyone else. And Jastes is like, hey, I don't, whatever, whoever set this spy on you, they knew your likes. They knew where you like to hang out and read your books. They knew what kind of girl you like. They're out to get you. And Ellen's is like, Holy crap, I told her House Venture's biggest secret, me and my big mouth. And so he goes, sends a message back to his father, says, look, I'll go on this little lunch date that you have set up for me, but I need to borrow some of your spies. 
and that's the end of chapter 28 all right uh so yeah that is the end of chapter 28 i do also want to point out that since we have we had kind of uh vin spying on ellen and his friends and got kind of more of a confirmation of his character you know that he did seem honest at first uh but now we actually get something from ellen's perspective so even you know the story that ellen told earlier about the ska woman that uh he had relations with that was everything he said along the lines of that story is apparently true and just seeing things from ellen's perspective actually kind of confirms all of the things that he has said so he basically seems to have been honest with Vin up to this point so that's a really big takeaway from this section as well um in the annotations everything you just said like the uncertainty of all of that is exactly why we hadn't seen a viewpoint perspective from ellen up to this point because we're supposed to be uncertain about it right yeah that makes sense so all right. Do you have anything else uh, before we kick you off? I don't think any of my previous theories have been contradicted yet. Uh, just, it's going to be interesting <laughs> what Ellen's spies find out about, quote, Lady Valette, and which of them's going to fess up first, basically. <laughs> so I've got a question for you. Oh, yeah. Before we kick you off. Now that we've seen that Ellen's character is genuine. What's your opinion of him now? I always wanted to believe in him. So nothing's really changed from my perspective. I wasn't sure, but I, I was, I was on uh, basically the same line of thinking as Vin. Like, I know it's kind of dumb, but maybe he's genuine. Really hope he is. <laughs> um, all right. In Elantris, your favorite character was Hraithan, pretty much the whole book through, despite some frustrations with him uh, toward the middle end. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anyone in Mistborn that that compares favorite character wise? Like any anybody about to take the the Cosmere torch away from Hraithan from you? Oh, you like? Do I like this character more than I liked Hraithan? Yeah. Uh... Nobody is similar enough to Hraithan to really compare. Uh, everyone in this book is their own character, and there isn't really a Hraithan in this book, so I, I don't really think I could say that. Uh, I would say that so far my favorite characters are Vin and Kelsier. So. All right. Good protagonist. And while you brought up Elantris, I also wanted to mention a comment that I made in the Discord. Having listened to the Lantris finale episode of the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast and hearing myself talk about how I I was disappointed that the main characters really lacked major flaws that helped along in their character growth. Well, Kelser and Vin got them. It got the flaws. So I think that they're more interesting characters than the protagonists of Elantris and Raiden and Serene. Agreed. Um, honestly, the, the presence of like realistic, believable flaws is one of the, one of the most compelling things that I find in a character. It's, it's why Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. 
Yeah. You know, exactly. Not not necessarily because you know he sticks to walls and can shoot webs and super strength and all that, but but because you know Peter Parker has problems, problems that being a superhero do not solve and often make things worse. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I think that's all we need for you today. So have a good night. All right. Good luck, guys. And he's gone. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right. Uh, All right. The spoiler tune would have just played. Uh, So holy crap, he got everything right. Yeah, yeah, he did. Ye gods and tiny fishes, he got everything. Uh, just to just to go back, we've got... He's guessing that the Lord Ruler has found some sort of practical use for burning gold. Uh, ding, 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 compounding. Uh, he is... He, he hasn't quite pegged to the earring yet, but he's paying attention to it. And I sure didn't my first time through. Right. And uh, he pretty much exactly got Condra. Yeah, yeah, he did. Like, like exactly. And I don't think that I, my first time through, I was even paying enough attention to notice Condra. Nope. So, wow. Uh, good job, Dave. When you eventually get to listen to this someday. Well done. After we'll be done with the... The entire series, but... <laughs> yeah, I honestly have no idea when, like, this would be available for him. Um, I don't know. We might open things up after, like, Way of Kings. Because that, aside from, like, Oathbringer spoilers, there isn't there isn't too terribly much Cosmere-wise that he hasn't... That he won't have gotten into by then. Uh, anyway, so anyway. what do we want to talk about spoiler-wise? For these three chapters and then the four preceding, because we didn't get into spoiler stuff last time. Hmm. Or is there anything no. off topic you want to get into? Because I don't really have anything prepared. No. So regarding the uh, gold compounding, did did we get that explanation at the end of Era One Mistborn? Like- uh, no, not really. Because I didn't think we got into the compounding stuff until Era 2. Uh, we didn't get proper explanations for it. It Like, we, we know that the Lord Ruler is using some combination of the powers to give himself that long life, but I don't think we got the explanation that it was, in fact, gold compounding, right? Uh, the gold compounding is health. ATM compounding is youth. Um, everything else is just you know, other compounding. And he's also got a few uh, hemallergic spikes, which give him even more phenomenal cosmic powers. Right, right. Um, No, but, yeah, I I know ATM is what's giving him his youth, but there there was that story about how, you know, didn't they... Burned him down to a skeleton and then he came back? Yeah, that that one's gold. That would be gold. That would be gold. So... So for Dave to be like, yeah, he's found some practical use for burning gold. Um, yeah, we, we don't know that until much later. Right. 
Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, we don't get, like, a a proper, like, practical, this is what this is what this does, this is what it looks like, this is how it works, until, you know, Alloy of Law with Miles' hundred lives. Yeah. Who carries, you know, a stick of dynamite in his cigar case, because if he ever gets caught in a net, he can just explode. Yeah. Yeah. So good job, Dave. You did good there. Yeah, holy crap, dude. I mean, honestly, at this point, if he's getting all this stuff right, then there's not much reason to not keep him on, or to not let him into the spoiler stuff. I mean, unless we go off on massive Stormlight Archive tangents, as uh, we have done. Oh, and we will. Past. We will. Sorry for the short episode, folks, but see you next week. Yep. Good night, Internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.